Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. Last time I reviewed the fact that medical abortion has been available in the United States since it was approved in the year 2000 by the FDA. Mifepristone, also known as RU486, also known as the abortion pill, is currently approved for use up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. As I mentioned last time, a 10-week unborn baby is only about an inch and a half long, but fully formed with arms, legs, head, face, and a beating heart. Mifepristone cuts off her blood supply by attacking progesterone receptors in the placenta, thereby starving her and stopping her beating heart. Misoprostol, the second drug in the medical abortion process, is taken one to two days after mifepristone and causes uterine contractions, leading to expulsion of the dead baby. This usually happens in the mother's home when she is alone and watches her baby flushed. As I mentioned last time, this gruesome scene is replayed hundreds of times a day in the USA. Mothers undergo physical, emotional, and spiritual trauma, while the abortion industry gets richer. Currently, 50% of all abortions are medical abortions, This is despite the fact that it is a dangerous process and has been documented to be up to four times more dangerous than surgical abortion. However, the abortion industry does not want this inconvenient reality to get in the way of expanding medical abortion and thereby expand their profits. The FDA recognizes that medical abortion is a dangerous process, and that's why the abortion drugs mifepristone and misoprostol were made subject to the REMS protocol. That's Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategy, REMS. Using the excuse of COVID, REMS restrictions such as in-person evaluations have been relaxed, leading to further exploitation of women, and putting them at risk under the guise of making things easier for women. Today you'll hear part three of my recent interview with Dr. George Delgado, who, as mentioned last time, developed a way to reverse the medical abortion process. Let us first, as always, begin with prayer. For as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today 
be replaced with a culture of life. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 reads this way. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life then that you and your descendants may live. Oh God, we thank you for our freedom, which makes us moral beings who have the capacity to choose right from wrong, to do good and avoid evil. Help us always to use your gift of freedom to choose life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time, part two of my interview with Dr. George Delgado ended with a discussion about abortionist Mitchell Krinan of UC Davis and his attempt to discredit the abortion pill reversal protocol developed by Dr. Delgado by conducting a study with paltry numbers which had the capacity to prove nothing because of its low numbers of participants. Even so, the study actually showed a trend toward validating the safety and effectiveness of the abortion pill reversal process. So anxious was Dr. Krinan to disprove abortion pill reversal protocol he actually inadvertently gave evidence of its effectiveness. Nevertheless, as explained by Dr. Delgado, the abortion industry feverishly has tried to spin the results in the opposite direction, claiming that the abortion pill reversal protocol is dangerous, when in reality it is the abortion pill itself that is dangerous. As described last time by Dr. Delgado, abortionist Dr. Mitchell Krinan had designed a double-blind, placebo-controlled study in which he intended to enroll 40 women in the first trimester who wanted an abortion. 20 women received the abortion pill, and progesterone was started 24 hours later. The other 20 would receive placebo 24 hours after taking the abortion pill. All would be offered surgical abortion at the end of two weeks if the baby survived the medical abortion. Early in the study, three women went to the emergency room with bleeding, and so the study was stopped for safety reasons. After only 12 women were enrolled. One of the three was in the progesterone group who was alarmed by her bleeding but required no intervention to stop the bleeding. The other two women who went to the emergency room were in the placebo group and so had no progesterone, only the abortion pill. Both of these women required emergency suction aspiration to stop the bleeding, and one of them required a transfusion. So, the abortion pill reversal protocol is safe, but the abortion pill alone is unsafe. But again, the numbers are very low and therefore prove nothing. 
As mentioned, two of the five in the Mifepristone group had massive bleeding and one required transfusion. Of the remaining three, two had a baby with a heartbeat after two weeks. That's a 40% survival. On the other hand, four of the five women in the progesterone group had living babies after two weeks. That's an 80% survival. And so to summarize, 80% of women in the progesterone group had their babies saved. Only 40% of the placebo group had saved babies. Those who took progesterone did not have complications. Again, those who took progesterone did not have complications. Two in the abortion pill only group had significant bleeding complications. Again, however, the numbers were small and statistically insignificant. Dr. Delgado, by contrast, conducted a large, statistically significant study, which demonstrated that the abortion pill reversal process is safe and effective. We now pick up part three of the interview where Dr. Delgado describes this study. You actually did a huge study which which did demonstrate what you were uh, stating to uh, begin with, that this is a safe and effective uh, protocol. Why don't you say a little bit about that? Published in a peer-reviewed medical journal, uh, a large retrospective uh, case series analysis, about 260 women who had successful uh, reversals of their medical abortions. And in that, we found that with our um, high-dose oral progesterone protocol, the reversal rate was 68%. Mm-hmm. And with the injection progesterone protocol, it was 64%, far better than the 25% uh, survival control that we used as a comparison that we got from the um, old literature where mifepristone was given by itself. Yeah. We also found uh, safety in that there was no increased risk of birth defects in the, um, the women who delivered their babies. And interestingly, the preterm birth rate was lower in those women who had reversals, 3%, if you compare that to the um, preterm birth rate in the United States in general, which is 10%. So we were very excited to demonstrate both effectiveness and safety in this um, large uh, study. On the horizon is we're hoping in the future that we can have a randomized controlled trial looking at different progesterone protocols. Mm -hmm. Of course, we would not include a placebo group like Dr. Crennan did because that would be unethical. However, we would want to compare how different uh, progesterone protocols compare against one another. Right, right. Yeah, because I know the, uh, I guess the original protocols involved um, injectable progesterone, but uh, but natural progesterone is uh, available in pill form, and and if that's turns out to be uh, just as effective, which it seems to be, uh, that would make it a lot uh, easier to uh, implement. Right. Yeah. Easier for the physician to get the, the right. progesterone, and uh, much easier for the for the woman. Uh, everybody would rather swallow a pill than get a shot. Yes. Right. <laughs> so we had a hearing um, recently, and when I was talking about some of this um, uh, in this hearing uh, that had to do with uh, mandating public 
colleges, public universities provide this, uh, they were really incensed, and, and they, you know, they were downright slanderous uh, about this uh, information without any, you know, without any data to, to uh, back them up. They were they were just, you know, saying that these were all lies, and um, I know you've encountered um, that sort of a thing, and and in fact. I think you were telling me on the phone that that uh, California has already introduced or, or already legalized that um, or mandated public uh, universities uh, provide uh, abortion pills to um, to the uh, students there. Yes, that's right. Unfortunately, um, California is once again leading <laughs> the way in things that are evil. Yeah, no, Massachusetts is close behind. Uh, so it's it's a, you know on several fronts it's it's just a bad thing. First of all, they're mandating that public universities provide medical abortion. This is outside of the scope of the public university. Number one. Right. Number two, they are putting the the lives and the welfare of, of these college students at risk because um, they're offering something so readily without them. You know, they're sort of separating from their parents and their families, not not promoting the consultation that that most families and young women would want in, in tough situations like this. Mm-hmm. And number three, of course, who has to pay for it is the California taxpayers, so we are forced to fund abortions in, yep. in another way. Yep. Uh, we already are in California through Medicaid, uh, but this is an additional funding, mandated funding of abortions by taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's really unfortunate the... The first university has not yet started this program. I think the law says they have until 2022 to implement it. So okay. we'll be seeing this happening probably in the next uh, one to two years. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to, to find out what happens. I, I hope there are, are people uh, on the lookout for this sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, because well, uh, You really know what's going to happen because universities, first of all, don't have expertise for the most part in, uh, in performing abortions. So what are they going to do? They're going to contract with your local neighborhood, Planned Parenthood. Right, so right. Planned Parenthood is going to get an even deeper foothold on these campuses. Yeah. So it's it's you know fits in very well with the the grand plan and the uh, the um, the business model yeah. of Planned Parenthood, which is to get to vulnerable women as at young an age as possible, separate them from their families, and then make them. Yeah, uh, victims of the medical abortion complex. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a business plan. Um, another way that um, uh, pro-life people are pushing back on this is by actually passing laws, and I think there are what about twelve or fourteen states that have passed laws mandating that women be informed about abortion pill reversal. Is that about right? Yeah, that's that's probably about right. And these laws, of course, have been fought tooth and nail yeah. in the courts by mm-hmm. the usual suspects, Planned Parenthood, ACLU, and now uh, American Medical Association has joined uh, in the fray, too. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Have, have you heard, have you gotten much feedback about um, these laws being uh, implemented and how many uh, women have um, taken advantage of the uh, law and after having second thoughts? Um, yeah, well, yeah. The, you know, the laws, um, what they mandate is just simply what's basic to medical practice, and that's informed consent. That is, the laws mandate that they be told mm-hmm. that there's an option for reversal. So 
So uh, my understanding is the law does not keep track of any women who change their mind oh, okay. based on the law, but just that this is what has to be uh, given to them as, as far as good information, which you would expect from a, mm-hmm. a caring medical practitioner. Mm-hmm. So it, um, as far as their effects so far, effectiveness, uh, I, I think that's has not been determined and probably hard to determine. Mm-hmm. This is all very good news, and it's all, you know, very exciting, the whole abortion pill reversal process. And um, what really has struck me, even more than the medical aspect, is that when these women reach out and they're having second thoughts and they're given a a second chance, they're extremely uh, appreciative. And I really think that just as important, really more important, is that uh, this whole process is saving souls. In fact, I'm sure you've got a lot of um, stories, but one one uh, story that struck me was that when this woman uh, contacted the abortion pill reversal hotline and the nurse contacted me and gave me the information and then I reached out to this woman and spoke to her for a while and we arranged for her to start the uh, progesterone and she was going to see me um, the next day Um, when i talked to her later she said that she went to the pharmacy she started the uh, progesterone and then she went on on her way home she walked into a church and it was the first time she had been in a church in years and she just got on her knees and was very very tearful and very uh, thankful that she was going to be able to uh, save her baby. So that that was a very powerful story. And uh, I wonder if you might have one or two similar stories. Yeah. So, um, yes, on on several occasions I've been told by women I've treated, you know, nothing is 100%, so this protocol is not 100% effective sometimes. Right. The babies do die, and so you have a woman who is distraught, of course, but the the consistent message I've received from them is that they're extremely grateful that they had the opportunity mm-hmm. to undo what they had done. Mm-hmm. So this really, um, I think, is very therapeutic for them, and that um, this balances out the decision to end the life of their preborn babies. Now they have chosen to do what they could to save the life of their preborn babies. And I agree with your assessment about it's, you know, in doing this, we're saving the physical life of the baby, but we really are in many ways saving the spiritual life of the mother right. and giving her a second chance at choice to reframe in her mind and in her soul the importance of, um, of protecting the gift of life that has been given to them. Mm-hmm. I think that this uh, really goes a long ways for them in that um, they can really turn their lives around and, and lives that um, that previously were on reckless courses or just were on um, directionless courses mm-hmm. now uh, have focus, now have purpose, and now they they really feel like they, they know what they ought to do and how they ought to use the gifts that have been given to them by God. Right. Well, I thank you so much uh, for giving us uh, your time out of your busy schedule, and I really thank you for for having the inspiration or receiving the inspiration 
to have this whole uh, abortion pill reversal uh, process. Um, before we say goodbye, I wondered, are there any um, last uh, words or thoughts that you might have? Well, you know, um, I could just say that it's been a privilege to be a part of this, and I think I'm an example of um, of God doing extraordinary things with ordinary people, mm-hmm. and God has a mission for each and every one of us. It's our job just to listen and to do what He wants us to do and then kind of uh, get out of the way. With that, I'd like to uh, also express my thanks and admiration for all those courageous women who do uh, seek the second chance of choice, especially mm-hmm. those early pioneers. When we, we were on the phone with them, we told them, well, we really don't know if this works, but this is what we can offer. And mm-hmm. they were courageous, and they decided to, to take a chance and step out. And they not only helped us save their babies, but they also, by being courageous and helping uh, build a database, they helped other doctors accept this and, and provide it to other women and to for the future to to help other women save their babies. So mm. my uh, hat's off to them. They are just wonderful, courageous women. Yes, they are. And the future are. is bright with people like them, yep. for sure. Well, again, thank you uh, very much, Dr. Delgado, and God bless you uh, in the future with all of your work. This concludes the third and final part of my conversation with Dr. George Delgado, family physician and founder of the Abortion Pill Reversal Network, which is now operated by Heartbeat International. You can learn more about Heartbeat International by going to their website, heartbeatinternational.org. As described on their website, At the first sign of pregnancy, Heartbeat International's worldwide network of more than 2,700 pro-life pregnancy help organizations are ready to help. They provide comprehensive pregnancy help to women wherever she is on her journey. From seeing the flutter of the heartbeat on her first ultrasound to teaching parenting classes or coordinating an adoption plan, and providing material aid throughout pregnancy and beyond. They offer compassionate support so that no woman ever feels that abortion is her only option. Their life-saving vision is to make abortion unwanted today and unthinkable for future generations. Their life-saving mission is to reach and rescue as many lives as possible around the world through effective network and life-affirming pregnancy help to renew communities for life. And you will find a link to Abortion Pill Rescue on their website, which will help a mother be rescued from medical abortion by finding someone to prescribe progesterone for abortion pill reversal. That link is aprnworldwide.com slash abortion pill reversal. At that time in medical history, the history of the pregnancy up to that point, and the circumstances of her attempted chemical abortion are reviewed and recorded in her file. 
To date, statistics show that more than 2,500 babies have been rescued by abortion pill reversal. You can also learn more about Dr. Delgado's work by going to stenoinstitute.org. That's S-T-E-N-O, stenoinstitute.org. This institute is the first of its kind in the United States and internationally, and it is named after Nicholas Steno, the renowned 17th century Danish scientist, physician, and bishop. There has been no pro-life organization devoted to a broad spectrum of medical and psychological research of pro-life topics and abortion pill reversal until now. By going to stenoinstitute.org, you will read its mission, that the Steno Institute will conduct, promote, and publish high-quality, morally sound health science and clinical research in pro-life areas, including, but not limited to, abortion, medical abortion reversal, end-of-life, euthanasia, and natural family planning. Initially, the Institute will focus primarily on medical abortion reversal. There are now 14 states regarding abortion pill reversal that have laws on the books mandating that women be told about abortion pill reversal by abortion providers. Those states are Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Indiana, Kentucky, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Utah, West Virginia, and Louisiana. Could Massachusetts be added to this list? As previously mentioned, a bill has been submitted by Representative Peter Durant of Spencer, Massachusetts. It is House Bill 3961, an act regulating the use of abortion-inducing drugs. Among other things, this includes that women should be given information by abortion providers regarding abortion pill reversal. For the sake of protecting women and educating her about a second chance at choice, a second chance at life, House Bill 3961 should be passed and our legislators should be urged to do so. The abortion industry and the culture of death is fighting such pro-life legislation ferociously, reflecting what was stated in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. The dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. Until next time, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect. And at the very least, we should first do no harm. First, do no harm with Dr. Mark Rollo 
is produced at WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. We are very happy to share it with other networks. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rollo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first, do no harm.